Life is hectic, demanding, and doesn't stop. When honest with ourselves, we must confess we often don't know what the hell we're doing. The LARCast is an ongoing conversation about the inclusive and mischievous nature of God's presence through the lens of all the things that make up this phenomenon we refer to as life. Astonishing grace and refreshing honesty collide right here for your weekly encouragement. Cast. My name's Tony, and I'm joined by Russ. How you doing, Russ? Good, man. Sitting here in a freshly painted kids' room, a weekend project. Just enjoying the uh, splendor, man, of my my hard deeds this week. <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> I love uh, I love the smell of paint. I used to paint professionally. Dude, I do and there's too. just something very um, relaxing to me about painting like most people hate it but you know i like all the fine detailed work and cutting in and there's there's not a lot of things in life maybe like cutting the grass that give you like the pleasure of like accomplishment and achieving something like painting yep. yeah dude 100 percent. yep it's uh <laughs> sorry <laughs> speaking of being in this fresh nude room i have a six-year-old who's woke up and going why dad are you in my my new room Hold welcome to the larcast eli johnson yeah i know but close close the door what you need getting a little little interruption this morning on a child in search of the right nerf gun yep the smell of paint and the interruptions of children and all the things dude to make up satisfactory of of life this is life and speaking of life we are going to dive into um life in its truest sense here today on the lark cast because we are um podcasting through our flagship resource our book that we wrote together reclaim yep. and uh, sometimes i forget that we wrote a book together it's like almost like my memories like blocked it out because it was like such a like intense season in our life, like putting that thing together and it had oh, a dude. few iterations and you know, a few different um designs and stuff like that. So it was just a lot of our time and effort and and uh and work went into that. Um, but yeah, we wrote a book, it's called Reclaim. You can pick it up on Amazon. You can look up uh Reclaim Johnson or Reclaim Sourcey. We are not gonna warn you about the hot, steamy, uh, erotic novels that are gonna come up when you search those things. You're adults, so you can navigate that. Bounce your eyes, ladies. That's all we'll say. Um, and um, <laughs> yeah, so we were going through the gospel of John for a really long time, and we're like, dude, let's let's podcast through through reclaim. And uh, if you're new to the podcast, that's what we're we're doing. We're in chapter one. Last week, we we talked about the introduction, just kind of set the book up. And chapter one is simply titled Jesus. Yeah, Jesus, man. One word. And I guess you could say in his earlier iterations, right, it was question, like, who is Jesus? And I can remember a number of people coming to us who were grabbing on to, man, there's got to be something more in the name of faith and church. And what I found, I've heard about this freedom my whole life. I've heard about this peace that surpasses all understanding. I've heard about this rest that Jesus promises. And damn it, I haven't found any of it, man. I'm exhausted. I'm anxious. I'm frustrated. I've been hurt. <laughs> I'm just, right? I'm weary. I'm worn out. 
like what gives and then they stumble across what we've learned over the years and are trying to pass on they're like yeah i I get this man but like who is jesus this seems kind of elementary you know i'm I'm sort of looking for like some deeper nuggets and i really love to get into like churches identity and way of life like can we just jump to that i'm like well we could but and that's actually where reclaim started out which i don't think a lot of people understand it started out with that these more pressing things like church right ministry but what we found is no man the the thing that's sort of at the core of all this is actually a misunderstanding of who is jesus yes yep i can't think of anything more important there is no greater question to me in all of existence than that question Mm -hmm. because if you let the scriptures say what they really say in your discovery of who is jesus it will completely undo all the religion that you have always grabbed onto and have stood in defense of Mm -hmm. it will strip you naked Mm -hmm. and in that place you will either resent and reject what God is actually like um or it will be the most life-giving thing you've ever encountered mm-hmm. he will become someone that you enjoy yeah I can't think of um I was I was thinking about my story a little bit and I, I kind of grew up well I mean I was in ministry I was kind of formed and trained in a pretty um heavily like reform Baptist kind of uh, context. And Jesus was kind of like always like a little bit of a, like a footnote to reform theology. He kind of slid into that category. So we were always interpreting Jesus in light of, in light of Paul. In fact, I have people like when I, mm. you know, I'll go around and I'll chat with people and I'm breaking down parables and, you know, various different things like we do here on the Lark cast. And it's like, well, Tony, you have to, you have to interpret Jesus in light of what's, what's clear. Parables mm-hmm. are are not clear and you have to, you know, interpret them in light of, of what's clear. And so th- there's this, th- there's this sentiment that it's just like, Jesus kind of said a lot of things that we don't really like understand. We get Paul, we get these kind of like very clear things over here. So Jesus kind of always stands as like a footnote to some of that. And that's how I kind of, you know, experience, you know, him theologically. And then, I mean, I met Jesus in a 1993 Ford Ranger in the year 2000 <laughs> and I, and I actually met him as a person, um, right. but that quickly got hijacked by a lot of, you know, theology and church and, you know, those kinds of things as it does for a number of people. But since meeting you and since just getting back to just Jesus's words and, and realizing in John 1 18, he came to reveal the father. He came to give us, you know, his eyes mm. for who, who God is. Um, meaning that <laughs> up until the time that he showed up, uh, the Trinity felt like they needed to come down and, 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 and ha- kind of handle this thing themselves and break down who it is um, exactly that God is. Yeah, dude, it's good. And I can agree with you. I met Jesus as a person. Uh, I believe the year was 1997. Also a young adult out in the workforce like you. Um, and I feel like in the more and more I, you know, plugged into the church world, what I was handed then in the name of Jesus sort of undid that whole personhood 
right? Like like him is like relational, him is God in the flesh who became right one of us humans <laughs> to reveal what it really looks like and is to be human. And in so doing, ultimately reveals what the father that we've all feared and ran from in the pursuit of trying to undo, trying to conquer, trying to master our humanity is actually like. He reveals that he's not a God who's handed this task to you at all, ever, at any point in time. He, he's one who actually created you knowing good and well where that freedom that he would give you from birth could lead to. Hmm. Also knowing what that freedom when fully understood would awaken in you. Yeah. And man, it took a lot of years, a lot of years of undoing that. But then also, as you know, man, and the, the years of writing and rewriting this book, you know, you could equate that to, you know, to the equation as well. Wow. Like, and I think ultimately what we're getting to in Reclaim One is we're trying to awaken the reader's receptiveness in a sense uh, to being loved to see what God's actually like when he shows up in this deeper reality of, of showing us that we are people who are loved, always have been, always will be. And that for me sets the very foundation for everything else. And if you miss yeah. that foundation, then you'll do what you and I did. You'll, you'll wind up grabbing onto all these other things in the name of, of, of mastery, you know, Right. <laughs> of trying to grab on all these other simple things that we feel like the Bible says to help determine um, the mystery of God. Yeah. And you just can't come in it from that way. Like, yeah, it just doesn't, doesn't work. Yeah. And to, and to realize that um, God loves us um, up close from yeah. the inside, not from afar. And I, always was like, oh yeah, well, God loves the world. You know, Jesus loves my neighbors, but he loves them from afar because there's mm -hmm. a massive, massive chasm and a massive, massive gap um, between my neighbors and Jesus. We would even use language like they're separated, you know, from him. Yeah. yeah. And then you're looking at passages like <laughs> John, John 14, six. I am the way, the truth, the life, John one, three, you know, not, there was not anything that's made that's been made in this world. He's the life and yeah. the light of all men. Um, mm. Acts 17 for in him, we all live and breathe and move and have our being. Um, yeah. You know, he, he sustains life Hebrews, John again. Um, and so we would paint this picture of like, well, yeah, Jesus loves you, but like from afar, like almost like the mm -hmm. sentimental kind of like, you know, whatever. And it's like, no, holy cow. Like my, my neighbor, my, the people I work with and are in my community, these people who I have a heart for, I, I, I would love for them to be awakened to the love of God. Um, but I started from separation. It's like, no dude, like their heart beats, they have breath in their lungs. Like they go about their life and their day and all the gifts that they celebrate like community and relationship and love and all those kinds of things. Those are given to him who is the giver of good gifts and life. I couldn't agree more because it's, it's something that is, it's almost like so in, entrenched. I feel like in our, just our nature, we can't help, but see everything through in and out and us and them. And it's the way society works. And I think from that, we've sort of grabbed on this notion that because that's how society works, therefore that's how God works. And so we attribute the same thing. There's this God who made us and apparently loves us, 
I don't really feel like he likes us. Um, and he's very distant. And if you can concoct that idea, if you can create a, an understanding of God as distant from humanity, then whoever comes along and provides the the resources, okay, the relationships, the pathways, um, even like principles, you could say that's often heavily taught in Christendom. If you can convince us all that that there's this God who's distant, then the people who provide this gap to the separation become heroes, man. Right? The, the, the whole system just becomes a necessity. And now you can start dividing everybody up into all the different camps of who has the better solution to the separation. Hmm. And then you wind up with an institution in the name of church. That's just completely yeah. opposite of the whole very nature of what God came to reveal and to create in his son. <laughs> and it's just like, Holy cow, dude, like, man, like we can't overstate the importance of how how needed it is to see Jesus in light of who he says he is. He's not a God. He is God. He's not a way, right? He is the way. He's not a means to life or even a better life. He is life itself. Mm -hmm. As you already quoted right out of John chapter one, Colossians one, he's the image of the invisible God, the creator and sustainer of all things who reconciles all things. And I love that verse that you brought up a second ago, man, Acts 17. Paul's talking because I've had so many people push back on those notions. Like, no, man, those are all like, they're all like examples or metaphors in a sense. I'm like, no, he doesn't present these as metaphors. He presents them as reality. That's always been. And so again, like one of the verses I go to is like in Acts chapter 17, Paul at the Areopagus talking, right? He's in Athens. He's talking to this group of intellectuals, and they've got all these statues to different gods that they've named. And they have one that's, you know, that says to the unknown God. And the Apostle Paul shows up and says, Oh, look at this. You guys are so perceptive, man, and thinking that maybe there's something else. Let me tell you about him because he has a name. He's actually not far from you. And as you just said a minute ago, for in him you live and move and have your being. Bro, think about the difference when you come at someone with a foundational understanding of a God that made you, loves you, and holds you, one that has always existed in you and you and him. Because mm -hmm. Paul later on in Ephesians 4 says he's the father who's above all, through all, and lives in, are you ready for this? All. Mm -hmm. Like when you start from that place, it's such a game changer in your own heart, man, and in your own life, but also the, even in the conversations that you're having with family members and friends, that you're not starting off with this God that's distant. Yeah. Then let me let me help you get to. Yeah. You're instead revealing a God that you've always found your existence in. You just, in unbelief, never lived. You never lived in the enjoyment of this reality. Yeah, there's, there's a ton. Uh, it changes everything when you think of man how do how do i go about conveying this reality to those mm. i love um and it seemed like an impossible thing to like convince them of a proposition like something happened a long time ago yep and there's a god who's off in the distance holding in his hand right the proposition of forgiveness and eternal life and love and all those kinds of things. 
And now I need to like convince you of this kind of like idea. Right. Um, yeah. And like, and what you said, not only is it, not only is it more true to the scriptures themselves, um, it's, it provides much encouragement and a massive amount of, um, I don't know, just man, I, excitement, encouragement yeah. for, the, for the friendships and for the conversation um, of Jesus. But as you were talking, I was thinking, I I can't believe that we just, we, we so grabbed onto separation. Like, mm. so it, like it was like how we started our gospel. You're over here. God's yep. over here. Right. And then you just look at the ministry of Jesus and all he's doing <laughs> is having relationship with sinners. He's called the friend of sinners. Yep. And so we would, we would literally say things like God is so holy. He's so perfect. And you're not, you're a sinner yep. and you're separated from him. God can't have fellowship or relationship with you in your sin. And then Jesus mm-hmm. is literally called a friend of sinners. And it's like, there was such a simple like dismantling of that whole idea just in the first three chapters of every gospel. Yes. And it just escaped us completely escaped us. So then you have to, so, so if, so if you take the position of, I don't know, man, this sounds like, um, this sounds like panentheism. This kind of sounds like universalism. This kind of sounds like whatever ism you want to throw, throw at it. Then what theologically do you do with Jesus being a friend of sinners, being in people's homes, inviting him himself over to people's homes, like Zacchaeus talking Mm -hmm. to people like the woman at the well, being at table fellowship and sharing meals with prostitutes, sinners, even the beginning of Luke chapter 15, all the sinners and Pharisees and are, are all the, all the sinners and all the, all the people are gathered around for meals with him. What that, that was the simple of fellowship, dude, and friendship. Yeah. What do you do with that? Is he 100% God, 100% man? Are you denying the hypostatic union? Are you saying that he suspended his his deity during that time? How are you interpreting that? Because it kind of sounds like you're a heretic now. Dude, preaching to the choir right now, homie. (laughs) I'm like, I'm listening to what you're saying and loving every word of it. Like, yes, yes, yes. And Oh man, it's tax collectors. I, I was trying to see tax collectors and I was yeah. saying Pharisees. Well, it's early Monday morning, man. So you're good. It is. Uh yes, you have um in in Jesus's context and him being a rabbi, and according to all that has been declared, to eat in fellowship with someone was to accept them. To it was an announcement that they belong. Okay. So these Pharisees or the, you know, the religious crowd is having such a hard time with what Jesus is doing to the point that they plot and carry out his murder um, because he's announcing to the world that these people who haven't done anything to belong, belong. Mm-hmm. These people who have not earned a means into the love of God are loved already as they are. He's not declaring that all the things are out pursuing or what all that they're believing is good or is going to lead into harmony in any way. And I think that's where we we drag that into this equation really quickly. And then we get all fearful. And we start throwing the tag of some kind of ism at this. 
Mm-hmm. It's like, no, this isn't an ism. This is just what Jesus has done and declared. So not only do the scriptures say this, not only you know, does John the Baptist literally say, point and say, there's the Lamb of God who takes away, means lifts off the sins of the world, the cosmos, means the entire existence. You know that word all that we keep quoting in all these verses that we've thrown out so far? Yeah, that's right there. World, all. He comes because he loves the world. He's the lamb who takes away the sins of the world. He comes not to condemn, but to save what? The world. And so when he shows up and starts eating with these people, he's announcing that this myth of separation that you've all carried, yeah, it's a myth. It doesn't mean that everyone lives in fellowship, right, by faith in God, because we know that's not the case. Yeah. But it also doesn't mean that he's someone to fear and run and hide from, or he's someone that you somehow need to get back to. A phrase that we sometimes have used in teaching this is saying to people, what if I told you that your union in Christ was already a given? As in the truest truth that makes all other truths true. Like that's, that's foundationally, that's who you are, bro. I've seen people awaken and like, tell me more about this God. And I've seen re- the religious crowd, man, just want to absolutely crucify us, bury Lark, <laughs> deep, dark hole for saying this. That's universalism. How could that be? And I'm like, well, all these passages that we've just quoted, Paul talking to the Areopagus, a group of unbelievers, telling them, for in him you live and move and find your being. What, what is that? Well, that's the Father. That's not, that's not Christ. Oh, really? So, <laughs> yeah, so the, who's the heretic now? Who's the heretic now? I mean, do we not have Trinity clear in Genesis for, for God created us uh, wh- right? whoops. in their image, created humans in their Father, Son, Spirit, one God, yet three distinct within the one. Dude, this is... This is Orthodox Christianity, man. Mm -hmm. And it somehow got pulled out from under our feet. Mm -hmm. And I think it ultimately we, there are people in the world who want the separation to be there because if it is, if you can convince people, right? Almost kind of like a doctor who doesn't want to help you get well, wants you to actually stay sick so that you keep coming to them and the pharmaceutical companies that they rep. And I'm not saying that everyone does that just to be clear. I'm just saying I have seen that play out in case, you know, in various cases, but like ultimately what you're, what you're getting to is, is a lamb who's taken away, right? The sins of the world, the God who became flesh, who was slain before the foundation of the world, right? As Revelation 13 says, or if you want to get like really crazy about this Jesus who shows up that we think came to accomplish something, you know? It's like, man, you can you can just keep going down the rabbit hole and you start getting into like Second Timothy where Paul talks about before the beginning of time, grace was given to us, but it has now been revealed, he says in chapter one. It's now been revealed by the appearing of Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior. And it's mm-hmm. like, man, this Jesus who shows up, dude, he's 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 far more than what most of us have been been handed or even grabbed onto in the name of faith. And I think that we are looking at reclaim one and hoping to, to break up some of those boxes that people live in, right? Boxes like Jesus is, well, Jesus is helpful or he's applicable or Jesus is optional or Jesus is usable or in the missional culture, right? Jesus is reproducible. 
And it's like, no, Jesus is one with the Father, God in the flesh, the image of the eternal God who becomes flesh and dwells among us, anointed by the Spirit, and announces that I'm in you and you are in me. Because I love you, and I've always loved you. I created you. I sustain you. I'm showing up and dying on a cross, making peace by the blood of, my, of the cross, Colossians 1.20 says, to reconcile you to me, not to reconcile me to you. There's a vast world of difference between that, dude. Hmm. I'm awakening you to the one who's always held you with a love that will never let you go. But because you don't believe this, you don't live loved, which means you don't live in the freedom that I set you free for. And as a result of this, you make all kinds of decisions, right? That are dismantling not just your humanity, but you participate in the dismantling of other people's humanity through things that you say and do all the way down to things that you vote on, right? Where does it all stem from? It all stems from at the core, the same thing Adam and Eve suffered from. This God is distant. He can't be trusted. We need independence. Let me have that tree of knowledge of good and evil so that I can rule my life and rule the world. I know better. And Jesus is literally showing up to crush that very perception that we've had. Because it's that perception, dude. It's that myth. It's that, that belief in this distant landlord who's grumpy. Yeah. That leads to all the, like, in all the destruction, man. And I think the message to the world is really what he said in Mark 1. Mm. The kingdom of heaven is at hand. Change your mind. Repent. Shift in your thinking and believe this good news. The mm. king is here, baby. The king is right here. The kingdom is not a far off distant reality. It is a reality that's been right under your nose the entire time. And I had to leave heaven, come down here, wait 30 freaking years <laughs> to show up <laughs> and tell you fools that the kingdom of heaven is at hand. The king is at hand. Yeah. And I'm that king. And so we forget that the gospel is news. It's good news. News yeah. is about something that's already occurred. It's already happened. It's not advice. Yeah. It's not a proposition. This isn't a business deal. <laughs> right. This is some this is this is something that God in his son has historically and definitively done on yeah. behalf of the world. And you, like Abraham, when he made his covenant with him, were clueless as to what was going on as the covenant was 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 being ratified mm. and settled this happened dude god did it and so yep. when we look at people we we'll say listen this is who god is he's already made up his mind about you he's already done something definitively in history to reconcile you to himself you're already forgiven you're already loved you're already mm -hmm. in him he's already near you there is no chasm. There is no gap. In fact, mm. right now, as I'm telling you this, he's probably appealing to your conscience that I'm telling the freaking truth. 
Yeah. And then now you wrestle with the idea of, do I believe this? Do I really truly think God is this good that he loves me? Do I mm. think this is, do I, or, or am I going to dig my heels in, in independence as I try to find my own path in this world and try to be my own God as I go about my life yeah. and work and play and call him a liar? And then, yeah. then you see now, here's where the wrestle of belief and unbelief come into play. Because I think what people freak out about is they're like, well, then what, like, well, what's the, what's the purpose of faith? And it's like, that is our tension in what we're mm -hmm. saying. The tension in what we're saying is the alreadiness of this good news. Yeah. The truth of this reconciled reality and the primacy and the emphasis that the scriptures put on faith. Right. That's our tension, right? You know what my old tension was back when I was, um, uh, back when I believed limited atonement. Yeah. Was that I used to, I used to grab onto a theology that God only died for the Jesus only died for the elect that, yeah. you know, in eternity past, God picked these people, right. And mm -hmm. he only died for them. I could never in my good conscience say Jesus loves you or Jesus died for you. Yeah. Because that theology was like, well, maybe, maybe he yep. did. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. You and always had a like, wool C in your back pocket. <laughs> yeah, dude. Exactly. We'll see. Yeah, yep. exactly. So everyone has a tension point in their you know, theology. And our tension point is in the alreadiness of this, the truth of yep. it, and the emphasis on belief and trusting it. I think you're spot on there, man, and in, in just the role of the tension, you could say, of faith. We're, we're not saying faith makes something true. We're saying that faith awakens you to something that's already true. Yes. Or as Jameson recently said, acceptance doesn't achieve. Yes. Great point. Acceptance doesn't achieve something, but but the beauty of faith is awakening to an acceptance, awakening to this fact that in him you have lived and moved and found your being from the beginning. Mm -hmm. God isn't someone who lives across the street. Jesus isn't a buddy who comes along and does his best to convince you to go over to this to his father's house because maybe life there is better for you. If you could just maybe, you know, get it get it together enough that you could actually be presentable and come on over. And then the spirit is like this other buddy who's kind of like pushing you from behind. Like that's not the story that Jesus unfolds. That's not the triune God that he comes to reveal. And maybe one of the best ways to say it is, I know we talk a lot about faith being only as good as its object. But what I love about Reclaim One is it invites you to take that a step further, okay? To take that a step further into actually looking at who the person is of Jesus and why his personhood is not just significant, but it's central, dude. It's ultimate to all things, mm -hmm. not only to your joy, your peace, your freedom, your rest, but to that of those that are in and around you to, to be able to enjoy this. Like a quick example is if faith is only as good as its object, right? Then our, then our faith's object is one who is one with the father. Okay. Think about that. That he's one with the Father, anointed in the Spirit, and already not just 
causing us to continue to exist, but dwelling in us as his very temple, he says. If that's the case, dude, then my anxieties need to be interrogated much harshly than they have been. And I think that's that foundation for that interrogation <laughs> is what Reclaim One is doing. It's inviting you to dive into this. It's inviting you to dive into the idea of like, where did you come up with this notion that you needed to make yourself presentable? Who told you that you were naked, right? Genesis 3. Why do you live as though you can convince God not to love you or that his love for you isn't enough to save you or to sanctify you? Why can't you live? Why can't I live as though God really does love who I really am and really loves all my friends and my family as they really are? Where did all these notions come from that bleed into the life of faith, that bleed into the idea of church, ministry, on down the line? In other words, like nowhere in the world, you know, does that idea that that our faith can somehow change the object, nowhere in existence does that, do you find that notion? Do you find that idea of flourishing? Mm -hmm. It's just not there. So our faith doesn't change the object. It awakens us to the object, which we'll get into later. But the key point here is, who is the object? Who is the object of our faith? What has he revealed about himself? What do the epistles actually say about him versus what we've been handed mm -hmm. in this name of faith and freedom? That's that's Reclaim 1. Right. That's why it's chapter one. <laughs> yeah. yeah, man. Man, more we could say. Um, even the whole idea of like inclusion before exclusion and all the parables. Um, yeah. Go back. I think it was like the first, you know, 26, 27, 28 episodes of the Lark cast are all about the parables. We get into this a ton, man, a ton. Mm -hmm. because um, Jesus isn't breaking down life lessons or cool little, um, you know, uh, parabolic, you know, moral life lessons there. Yeah. He's getting into what God is like, yeah. what the kingdom of heaven is like. He's really saying like, what, what is the king like? What is this reality? Um. So yeah. Good conversation oh, though, man. I think we're at <laughs> time. Time's up. Yeah. Time is up, but I'm with you. We could, I feel like you could do you could do 10 more episodes just like right now we could probably record 10 in a row on this question of who is Jesus because yeah. it's just that paramount, man. So cheers to all you who grabbed a copy of Reclaim who are following yes. along with us. Cheers to you who already have a copy and maybe you're diving back into this conversation for some much needed refreshment, some encouragement, some language that you can help friends maybe you know, awaken this good news and um and let me just just go ahead and just before we hang up here man challenge everybody else who's listening that's new to this back up listen to the last episode the introduction go to amazon type in reclaim sourcey or johnson grab a copy join with us um i think what you're gonna find here is something that's pretty life-giving here we go cheers bro cheers